When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So if you have been stacking physical silver and gold for any amount of time, I'm sure you've heard of the model, the idea of the Exeter's Pyramid. And if you haven't, a quick review of it is basically Exeter's Pyramid is an upside down pyramid representing different asset classes. And so at the very top, which is the widest, largest area of the pyramid, you have uh, the, the largest measures of, of uh, wealth or, or types of debt or, or asset classes. So that includes uh, debt mostly, um, currency, uh, derivatives. We're talking in the hundreds of trillions or even quadrillions, especially when we're talking about derivatives, at the very top of the pyramid. And then you head down the line to um, amount of currency in circulation uh, or things like corporate debt, uh, household or personal debt. And then you get into the realm of things like uh, stock market market caps and whatnot. And ultimately, at the very bottom of the period, it, pyramid is silver and gold, the, the very smallest portion of, of that overall exercise pyramid. And the idea is, is that as crisis uh, evolves, as it worsens, you see a flow of money from the very top of the pyramid further down, first from derivatives to debt to stocks to uh, cash, ultimately to, at the very bottom, silver and gold. And what I want to do today is to put that in perspective, just how small, in particular, silver is at the very bottom of that Exeter's pyramid. Now, it's the reason I talk about silver, I mean, we could talk about any random asset. We could talk about um, baseball cards and, and how small of a market they are in the whole scheme of things. But baseball cards don't work very well as money. In fact, they never have been used as, as money to my knowledge, right? The reason I'm using silver as opposed to baseball cards or collector automobiles or, or whatever, um, um, antique furniture, you can pick your, your asset, your, your collectible, whatever that you want to use. The reason I'm using silver is that silver historically has worked well as money for thousands of years along with gold. It's maintained its value for thousands of years. It has a track history of being a safe haven asset. And it's a fairly small market compared to even gold, which is small relative to those other assets. And it is the safe haven of choice currently, um, even safer than, than bonds. Uh, that's what many central banks are buying. That's what many wealthy individuals are buying. But silver is an even smaller market than that. Just how small? Well, we're going to work in dollar terms today. And, and we'll start off with a year's production worth of, of silver, which is currently around a billion ounces. That's ballpark number. Uh, taking into account mining production as well as scrap production. So a billion ounces, and, and that's simple math. I like to use this as a round number because a billion times the current price of silver is about $17 billion. And that's the yearly production of, of silver. A $17 billion in theory to buy the yearly production. Of course, if you were to try to do that, the, the price would, would move much, much higher and you'd have a hard time doing that. But $17 billion. 
of course, that, that doesn't mean that, that that's all the silver there is in the world. Um, there's there's uh, billions and billions, tens of billions of ounces of silver in the world. Now, uh, a majority of it has been used up. It is lost in landfills. It's currently sitting in your automobile. It's, it's currently sitting in your house, the device that you're listening to this on. And, and for all intents and purposes, cannot be considered an investment-grade silver. It has to be extracted, which comes at a cost. And at current prices, it's unlikely to be uh, extract it's likely going to end up in a landfill or or stay inside of that electrical component for years or, or decades from now however there is a lot of silver that over the decades over the hundreds thousands of years that remains in some form of, of investment grade silver so in terms of of coins and bars investment grade uh, bullion it's hard to get an exact estimate of this because we don't obviously have a tracking chip on every piece of silver. Um, my estimate usually places it anywhere between 2 and 10 billion ounces. If we're going to use a nice round number, and, and just to, to drive this point home so nobody can say that, that my estimate is too low, we'll use 10 billion ounces. Uh, 10 billion ounces, again, nice round number, multiplied by $17 an ounce, comes out to about $170 billion for all of this silver uh, investment-grade silver in the world. Now, you could also add to that uh, jewelry and silverware, which could very easily be melted down, much more easily melted down into bullion than uh, you know the silver in, in, a, in a vehicle or a house could be. Uh, and we could add that to that number as well. We're not going to, but but you you know just for for these purposes, you know you could say another ten, another twenty billion ounces in silverware or or jewelry. Uh, that would unlikely be melted down, or at least all of it. But you know, if you were to, we're talking another 170 to 340 billion dollars, which sounds like a lot. But you have to remember that silver is a physical asset. Um, that if the price ever were to rise, if that money were to flow from the top to the bottom of this Exeter's pyramid, that the price would go up. Um, that that there's no way that, that everybody would be buying all that silver or that all that silver would be on the market. You know, the actual physical silver market is fairly small. We're talking in the realms of, of hundreds of million ounces, uh, maybe up, uh, maybe a little over a billion when you take into account the overall uh, silver being held by, by COMEX, the LBMA, um, the uh, various silver ETP, you know, exchange-traded products like SLV and whatnot, which, which I doubt they are actually fully backed by silver, but even if we assume they are, you have all that. And then also, of course, silver that changes hands through different bullion dealers uh, and then the silver that's housed in vaults. Um, you have over a billion, maybe a few billion. I don't know the exact statistic, but, but it's, a, uh, it's a small amount in the whole scheme of things. So we're going to start off with that $17 billion amount. A year's worth of production and compare it to some different assets okay and we'll start off with some stocks some stocks that i tend to think are a little bit overvalued and we'll start off with tesla tesla's a, obviously an electric car company something i have been <laughs> kind of ranting about for for gosh a, a long time now um currently valued uh, at 377 dollars a share but it's a market cap at just shy of 68 billion dollars and that actually works out pretty well that's about four years worth of silver supply that's what tesla is worth right now despite the fact that I, there's a lot of people that are very bearish on it and even if they weren't i mean it's it's just a car company that that's massively overvalued compared to its actual sales its actual profits which are 
very little to none, uh, in many cases, many quarters negative. But again, $68 billion almost in terms of market cap for Tesla, four years worth of silver supply. But it gets better. Tesla, in the whole scheme of things, is a fairly small company. Uh, how about Apple? Apple is one of, if not the largest uh, company in the world currently, uh, currently valued at one and a quarter trillion dollars. So Tesla, sixty, what, sixty-eight billion? Uh, uh, Apple, we're talking twelve hundred and fifty billion dollars. Now I'm not going to do the math on that, but that's that's many, many, many years worth of silver production. And, and yes, Apple is to some extent deserving of that. Again, I think it's a stock that's overvalued, um, especially as, as I think people are realizing more and more that Apple, to some extent, is a, a one-trick pony. Uh, but Apple has has climbed hugely in just the last six months, the last year, uh, I think massively overvalued. Uh, and again, I think that's part of that whole flowing from, from the top down. Um, I think to some extent money has flowed into a lot of these stocks. Uh, I could go in depth about talking about how, how the Swiss um, have, have printed money to buy U.S. stocks, how Apple and, and other companies have, have bought back their own stocks and, and go on and on about that. But we'll move on. But Apple, one and a quarter trillion dollars. I don't know if we'll get much higher than that in terms of stocks. Apple, to some extent, is deserving of that. Um, but here's another stock that may be not quite as deserving of it, Netflix. Right? We all know, love Netflix. Uh, you know, I watch plenty of shows, plenty of movies on there. Uh, but when it's all said and done, uh, Netflix costs how much a month? I don't, I don't even know how much exactly it is a month. Uh, but it's, it's, in my opinion, not a huge moneymaker. And yet its current market cap is, is just shy of $138 billion. Right, we're talking in the realm of, uh, that's what, like eight years worth of, of silver supply? Over eight years worth of silver supply. That's what Netflix is valued at. So what would you rather own, you know, eight years worth of silver supply or one year's worth or, you know, Netflix, the company? Um, don't get me wrong, stocks, I'm not going to, this isn't a huge rant against stocks. I do think a lot of these stocks are massively overvalued. Um, but, and, and stocks can be a great way to produce wealth uh, through, through dividends and whatnot. However, I, again, putting this in perspective, and when we're all said and done here, you'll see just how small the silver market is. Even if you're comparing um, what my higher end estimate is for the all amount of, of, of coins and bullion in the world, uh, 10 billion ounces, $170 billion, that's in the same ballpark as, as Netflix at, at just shy of $138 billion. But we'll move on. Google. Uh, massive company, obviously, one of the most valuable companies in the world, 135, a little over 130, sorry, not 100, $935 billion, right? Almost a trillion dollars in Google. Massive company. Again, very small uh, uh, um, market silver is compared to a lot of these companies. Uh, Amazon, another one of the largest companies in the world, uh, $883 billion dollars at current market value right i hope i'm painting a picture here that's over half that's worth over uh um well not even half uh you're talking like five times multiple plus you know uh the the value of all the silver in the world right uh, if you're if you're multiplying 170 billion dollars times five you come up with with what 850 billion right 170 times five 850 billion and, and Google's worth more than that, or, or Amazon's worth more than that. So is Google. All right, we'll move on here. 
Uh, next company on the list we have here is, is Deutsche Bank, um, which has been absolutely hammered and yet still has a market cap of about $16 billion, right? Uh, almost one year's supply of, of silver. That's what Deutsche Bank is currently worth. Uh, how about Ford Motor Company? A uh, company I think is a little bit more down to earth, maybe still is, is due for a, a major drop in the future and whatnot, but in the whole scheme of things is, is not in, in huge bubble territory. Uh, $37 billion, all right, so, so a little over two years' worth of supply, uh, silver supply. That's what Ford stock is worth. So that's just stocks, which I think are overvalued, are, are uh, you know, in, compared to the overall U.S. GDP, uh, although Deutsche Bank's not a U.S. company, but the other, you know, overall U.S. stock market is, is last time I checked, I believe, at basically record values relative to, to GDP, they're, they're much larger than the overall U.S. economy, the value of U.S. stocks. But we can move on from there. How about we talk about U.S. debt? Uh, U.S. debt, uh, U.S. government debt, currently topping $23 trillion. That's more than, than any, any measure of the amount of silver in the world. Whether we're talking about all the silver that's been mined, all the silver in coin and bullion format, all the silver in, in coin, bullion, silverware, and jewelry. Uh, 23, $23 trillion kind of, kind of dwarfs that. Uh, but, but we also could look at you know, other measures of, of U.S. debt. In fact, uh, this is from September, posted by CNBC. This is a measure that was done by uh, a firm by, by the name of A.B. Bernstein, which, which sought to look at all forms of U.S. debt, including future liabilities, which is not a, a great measure because you'd also have to take into account future income. But when you look at that, the, the, as a percentage of GDP, uh, I won't tell you the full number here quite yet. I'll, I'll break it up into different categories. And they start off with overall uh, GDP, talking about federal, state, and local government debt combined, about 100% of GDP in the ballpark of, of $19 trillion. And, and I think that's not counting... Uh, uh, that, that's only the, gov- or the publicly owned debt and not the intergovernmental debt, which is a slightly different figure. 150% of GDP for households and firms, for, for corporations. 450% GDP uh, for, for financial debt. 27% of GDP in trusts for social insurance, insurance programs. 484% of GDP, which values all the promises from current social insurance programs. And 633% of GDP which tallies up the infinite horizon of obligations for social programs rather than the traditional 75 years used in computations. That's a quote from CNBC. So the number that they come up with is, anybody doing some mental math there as I'm, I'm reading those numbers, 1,832% debt-to-GDP ratio. Of course, these are future estimates and whatnot, but, but huge, right? Again, relative to the silver, even the gold market, which I'll get to here in a minute or two, is a lot. Uh, a recent analysis done by Reuters in, in November uh, of, of this year, global debt, $255 trillion by year's end. $255 trillion. It's hard to wrap. I mean, how many of you guys would be happy to have a million dollars, a billion dollars, right? Um, now multiply that by 1000 or or 100000 or whatever. I mean, you're in up $255 trillion, nearly... Thirty-two hundred or sorry, thirty-two thousand five hundred dollars for each of the seven point seven billion dollars, seven point seven billion people on the planet. 
which is a lot by U.S. standards, by U.S. standard of living standards. But you have to remember that a huge majority of the, the world's population, whether it's in, in uh, India, China, Africa, um, just generally other you know, third world countries, they're they're pretty poor, right? Um, it's you're in the the uh, upper class of society if you're making thirty two thousand five hundred dollars a year. That's certainly not the case for the United States. Huge amount of money, and again, we're talking about a seventeen billion dollar yearly market for silver. One hundred seventy billion dollars if you want to take all the coins and bars in circulation into account, or at least that are out there, not in circulation. Uh, we can look at another measure of, of wealth. Let's talk about let's let's compare silver to other elements, right? Let's talk about gold, which is towards the bottom of Exeter's pyramid, not at the bottom. Silver is at the bottom because it's a far. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Smaller market and yet still fits that criteria of, of being useful as money, as a safe haven asset and whatnot, which is obviously not the case again for, for baseball cards, antique furniture, classic cars, etc. All the value of gold in the world, which the estimate I use, and obviously these vary from, from place to place, the World Gold Council, which, which estimates uh, it, I think, for 2019, being just north of 190,000 metric tons. Not ounces, not million ounces, metric tons. And when you convert that to value terms at, at roughly the current value of $1,470, we're looking at $8 trillion, Billion four hundred ninety-five million dollars, nearly nine trillion dollars. The total value of gold. Now that is spread out, right? You you have supposedly the U.S. holding a large amount of that, um, but then also the IMF, various European countries, China, Russia, and then of course just investors and and average people on the street and whatnot. But but almost nine trillion dollars worth of gold, which is small compared to total U.S. debt, total value of the U.S. stock market, total global debt, the amount of currency in circulation, on and on and on. I mean, that is only a multiple of, of little over two compared to the current U.S. Federal Reserve balance sheet, right? I, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see, you know, the Fed balance sheet exceed, exceed $9 trillion uh, a couple of years from now. Of course, I think the value of gold would be far, far above $9 trillion at that point. Right, it very well could be up in the realm of twenty trillion dollars by then. Uh, at some point, dollars uh, fail at being a good measure of, of overall value, but but that's that's still a lot, right? And yes, gold is the uh, safe haven um, vehicle of choice right now for central banks for the one percent and whatnot. When when bonds no longer meet that criteria or cash don't meet that criteria, gold is in many ways the ultimate safe haven asset. But silver is is very close uh, second, and it's a much much smaller market, right? As I said, there. Let's let's you know let's do a mental experiment here. Let's uh, let's work in uh, uh, hypotheticals. Okay, let's say 
we, we are in, in at the end of 2020 or 2021 might be a little more realistic. In the Fed balance sheet, although at current pace, it could be at that value. Let's say end of 2021, in the midst of a recession, the Fed's at zero or negative rates, but their balance sheet is at $9 trillion, over double what it's currently at. And, and gold is at $20 trillion, right? We're talking about a, a doubling, over a doubling in, in the current price of gold. We're talking in the realm of $3,000 an ounce. And it could go much, much higher than that. I'm just talking hypotheticals. I'm talking arbitrary numbers right now, okay? Gold's at $3,000 an ounce. Could it go higher? Yeah. Is it overvalued at that point? Probably not. No. However, you got to believe that there is going to be some amount of that $20 trillion or $18 trillion or $19 trillion of of wealth and gold, of, of people buying gold, banks, central banks, etc., that realize that, hey, there's another asset out there that may not be as compact of a form of wealth, may not be bought by central banks currently, but still meets some of that, much of that same criteria, uh, silver, that is at a much, much lower price. I don't know what it is, but there's going to be a flow from gold into silver because they see it as, as a lower price, but meeting some of the, many of the same criteria as being a safe haven asset amidst an inflationary environment or a massive deflationary environment or a stock market crash or financial crisis, whatever. Physical silver meets that criteria. And here we have a $20 billion market. In the case of silver, maybe $170 billion at current value. Even if it's $1 trillion, Right? That's almost five times higher than where it is right now. That's still very small relative to gold. Right? Uh, we could do a comparison with another form of metal. Uh, actually, looked up copper. Right? Because there's many other forms of, of metals, and, and I'm not going to, I'll be honest, I'm not going to do the math for all the different base metals out there, uh, whether it's nickel or, or tin or aluminum or lead or zinc. Or, or iron and, and steel production. And no, I'm not going to look at that. I, I, I should have honestly looked at oil production. I didn't. Um, I could have looked at coal production. I could have looked at the amount of uh, energy, uh, the cost of electricity here in the United States produced each year. I could have looked at all those measures of, of value or wealth or whatever. Uh, but I did look up copper. Uh, according to, to Statista, Statista, whatever, a website, uh, it, it put it in the realm of a little over 20 around 20 million metric tons of, of copper copper is not measured in ounces in terms of value it's actually measured in pounds uh currently valued around 2.8 dollars per pound a little over 2200 pounds per metric ton so you, you can do the math on that and you end up with a number of about 123 billion dollars worth of copper Yearly production for this. This is for 2017. I don't know what it is for 2018 or 19, but but in that same ballpark, over 120 billion dollars. And there's silver, 17 billion dollars. Yearly production. Right? Is it the lowest? I don't know. I, I could check all the metals. I'm sure there's ones out there that are lower, maybe lead or some other ones. But but the point of what I'm saying here is that there are only two assets that meet that criteria that silver and gold meet. A long track record of, of uh, being used as money. They, have, they meet all that criteria of being rare, but not too rare. Um, fungibility, you know, all these things I covered in a recent video comparing money to just currency, right? They meet all that criteria. They're the only one, two ones that do. Palladium, 
platinum, rhodium, they meet some of that criteria. They don't have the same track record. I'm not saying they're a bad investment, but but they 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 have um, you know they're, they're a complex form of wealth. They can be held in bullion or coin format, um, but but currently they don't have that same safe haven demand. They don't have that history as use of money. Um, central banks have have never, to my knowledge, stockpiled any of those metals. They've never been used as currency, even if there are coins that are minted by, you know, they're not actually in, in circulation, which is certainly the case for, for silver and gold historically, right? They don't meet that same criteria. Not bad. I'm sure they can benefit from this. And there are such small markets that they can be bid up very quickly. I mean, look at palladium over the last year plus. Um, but silver and gold are the only ones that meet that criteria. In the case of gold, around $9 trillion current value. But for silver, in terms of coins and bars, uh, $170 billion, right? Uh, and, and if you look at, at silverware and jewelry on top of that, you know, we're still probably under a trillion dollars, $170 billion plus all the other ones. So it's a, it's a small market, guys. And, and believe me when I say that, that money will flow from those other asset classes. Don't get me wrong. There's going to be other asset classes that will be the beneficiaries along the way. Right? If the derivatives markets blows up, if the global debt market blows up, if the cash um, is, is being inflated away, then, then yeah, stocks, I, I think, represent some value because you're owning a company it represents future value um, as, as, uh, as indicated by, by, their, by their dividend or, or future profits or whatever. There's some risk, obviously. Much, much more counterparty risk than there is with just physical silver and gold. But, but yeah, I think even though they're in a bubble now, and I think it's going to pop at some point, there is some value in good companies, right? Um, and, and you do have some of these other, uh, you know, even commodity or commodity-based companies, whether it's miners or, or oil, oil producers or energy companies, right? Those can be a good option in this type of future environment where, where money is flowing from the top to the bottom of this Exodus pyramid. Um, but when it's all said and done, it is silver and gold that's at the bottom. They are the ultimate safe haven asset. And they work pretty well regardless of what this future looks like, whether it's a deflationary future, an in, you know, hyperinflationary future, uh, a global conflict, uh, a demographic, uh, major demographic shift, uh, a major you know, revolution, uprising, a collapse of a major government, uh, economy, whatever. Uh, silver and gold work pretty well as that safe haven asset because all those other assets along the way, cash, stocks, uh, um, bonds, debt, derivatives, those all carry a much, much higher amount of risk. Even real estate does, right? Especially when it's more speculative form of real estate and land as well. So silver and gold sort of sit alone and, and silver ultimately alone at the bottom because it's such a small market relative to all those other assets, and, and, and I think, you know, this has been talked about as of late in this community. I think there's a recent post on, on Seeking Alpha, maybe somewhere else, about just how much silver there is in the world because people don't take into account the amount of silver in, in jewelry as well as, as uh, silverware and whatnot. And, and that is very similar to coin and bullion. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll concede that argument that, yeah, that's true. I don't think it's as likely to enter the physical market because there is an there is an element of, of uh, well subjective value to, to silver and jewelry. It's oftentimes used for for how it looks and not just for a store of value. 
although it's used for both in many places like India, but, but I'll concede that argument. But even if you include that and say that, hey, some amount of that could enter its, uh, make its way into the physical silver market, it's still a tiny market compared to copper, compared to gold, compared to, to the stock market, global stocks, global debt, global personal debt, global debt, corporate debt, uh, sorry, not global debt, but, but governmental debt, um, future obligations, the derivatives markets, the amount of currency in circulation, the real estate market. It's tiny compared to all of that. And and that's why I'm so confident, you know, I, I can know that there's plenty of naysayers when it comes to silver, but it still meets that criteria of a safe haven asset as being, in my opinion, and many other people's opinion, real money, just like gold. And I think it stands to benefit from a major move up in gold in the future and all of the reasons for that move up in gold in the first place. You know, as I'm speaking right now, uh, I promise I'll wrap up here in a second. As I'm speaking, the gold to silver ratio sits around 86 to 1, right, which is pretty close to, to historical highs. It's, it, it was higher, you know, earlier this year and whatnot, but pretty close to, to historical highs, right? Even if that ratio were to move to 50 to 1, right, and, and gold were to move to 3,000. That represents a huge move up for silver, right? Um, and, and all the more reason to to uh, to buy what's at the bottom of, of Exeter's pyramid currently. And, and who knows? You know, there's a future where, where gold and silver can make their way up. They're, they're not fixed at the bottom of Exeter's pyramid, right? There's a world in which they can make their way up above some of those other asset classes. It'd be a lot to, to uh, represent a huge increase in value to see silver and gold markets valued higher than global stock markets or currency or real estate. But they certainly can become a larger chunk of, of Exeter's pyramid. And ultimately, that's, that's what we're looking for, for us silver and, and gold owners to be rewarded for, for holding uh, and, and, and buying, stockpiling these metals during a period of, of prosperity in the stock market, the real estate market, the bond market, um, and, uh, and kind of realizing that that's phony. Maybe to some extent we'll participate in that, but, but that's phony and that's not representing real wealth and that's obviously in, in bubble territory. So as always, I'd like to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to help me out, Leave me a review in the podcast world. If you're on YouTube, comment, like, subscribe. Check me out on the podcast world. I'm on, I'm on most major podcast platforms. Um, help me out over on Patreon. I have a ton of great features there, including a private chat through Telegram for just my Patreon users uh, and, and plenty of other things as well. But as always, I'm just happy to have you guys here in the first place. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in. And God bless.